Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Tap Podcast. We are talking Aaron Rodgers and wanting that bag. $50 million reported. Uh, We'll talk about that, what that means, what could happen here, and where do we go. Will we have baseball? We're inching closer to that lockout deadline. We'll talk about that. And then we'll preview the weekend. I'll just talk a little buzzer beaters at the end. I want to have a conversation about that because it got a little run on Twitter today. So I wanted to uh, want to talk about that as well. And speaking of Twitter, you can find us there. Uh, Tapping the Keg is that handle. We also have Tapping the Keg Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And then if you're new to the show, welcome. If Subscribe, please. Uh, Apple, Spotify, get yourself ready there. Or if you're already subscribed, rate, review. We really appreciate it. I realize it's sometimes a pain in the ass, but please do. Uh, NCAA tournament stuff starting soon. Um, I'm going to try to look and see what we can do from a prize perspective. If you guys have any ideas, you guys have any thoughts, you might want to get involved with your company or you have an idea, I would love to hear it. I'm all ears. So I, the word is out. Um, I'll probably have the whole thing set up in the next couple of days so you guys can start logging on and entering. As I didn't know you could already do this, but I saw someone else had a tournament already set up. So I was like, all right, fuck, might as well. Might as well get that thing locked and loaded so it's not like three days of like you have to sign up. We can kind of get into it early and often. All right, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and wanting that bag. So you're like, Charlie... How unhip do you sound saying that bag? Yes, Aaron Rodgers wants a ton of money. Show me the money is what Aaron Rodgers is saying. He wants $50 million a year. That is an absurd amount of money. That is money that is virtually unheard of in the NFL. Um, it would make him the highest paid player in all of football. Um, and that's pretty astronomical. I'm not going to lie. Like That to me is, it, it, it feels feels almost too much in a weird way it's so it sort of makes you uneasy you know we've been talking on socials more so than on on the podcast about the cap not being real and how brian gunacoust has discovered this and has realized that he can do things to basically manipulate the cap and i saw ken inglis today who is always buried in a spreadsheet i mean the guy does good work but fuck he just needs to take a, a minute and touch grass and ken was like well this is just future year problems and it's like you don't recognize the fact that we're gonna have huge tv deals that huge tv deals are coming for the nfl they are going to be massive they are going to explode the cap we are going to see numbers that we have never seen before i'm telling you this right now it is going to happen. The NFL teams know this. That is why none of them care about the cap. That is why they believe in their heart of hearts the cap doesn't matter from signing different guys. I, I still remember one of the funniest like cap stories was Jarius Bird uh, signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints. And it was a pretty lucrative deal. And I remember Jarius Bird was a guy that I think people wanted on the Packers. And we were like, okay, maybe we have a shot here. I think they mentioned the Packers had some interest. But I think this is still, definitely still Ted. So, you know, of course he didn't sign any free agents. But then Jarius Bird signs with the Saints, which is crazy because the Saints had no money. Everybody was like, well, the Saints are cap poor. Like, how do the Saints keep doing this? And the Saints figured it out first. I think the Rams have done a really good job 
of this. And I think the Packers are another team that is basically trying to do this. Zach Krause had recommended reading on how to eliminate $90 million in the cap and and basically go all in. And it was really good from Zach, and I recommend you guys read it. Um, and that, to me, is what the Packers are doing right now. We're seeing it right now with Kenny Clark and Aaron Jones both getting getting their, their salaries kind of altered and chipping away at money for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So I guess if Aaron Rodgers wants to be a 15, 50 million a year quarterback, how does that look? How can they make the contracts all work together and sing together in harmony? It was a really interesting report from Diana Rossini because Rodgers, to me, it would be like, why do you need more money, man? Like you have all the fucking money in the world. Like you've cashed out. Like you have a 20 plus million dollar home in Malibu. What do you need more money for? And I realized that in the player, player empowerment era, we don't always say that. We used to say that in the 90s and your dad and your mom says that to you when you're having beers or something or you're over for dinner and they're like, well, why does that player need so much money? And you're like, I don't know, mom. I don't know what to tell you. But the, the thing is, is like if Rodgers truly was all the team, the team, the team, he takes a less of a money deal. We talked about the Giselle Bunch and Tom Brady thing and how you can't compare that, but we're not at that point anymore. This is now a new deal. If Aaron Rodgers wants to get taken care of in a sense of, all right, the cap hit is only 23 million and it somehow equates to 50 a year with signing bonuses and, and anything like that, then yeah, go ahead. But it, it seems wild to me that Aaron Rodgers wants to go all in, but also wants to get paid. It, is it? Does it really work? Is it really possible for that to happen? I don't know. Unless the only thing I can think of, the only thing that I can truly think of, Aaron Rodgers signs a one-year $50 million deal. That they rip up the contract and it is a one-year $50 million deal. And if Aaron Rodgers wants to then retire, or if Aaron Rodgers wants to go to another team, he is free to do so. And this is a one-year deal for $50 million. I don't imagine that be, or maybe it's a player option that he can opt in for a significantly less money the next year. So it maybe looks like two for 100 or something like that, or two for, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think, two for 75 and up front it's $50 million, but next year it goes back down to 25. Something along those lines, something kind of really unique and never seen before. I wouldn't put it past Russ Ball. Russ Ball is a G. Russ Ball figures out how to make contracts work. The Aaron Jones contract was an absolute steal. Look, Go look at that Aaron Jones contract. Now, I know it's kind of altered now, but if the Packers wanted to get out of Aaron Jones, they could have easily got out after this year. They had an easy void contract. It was perfectly done by Russ Ball. Russ Ball did that with Sam Shields. I remember that. That was my first like introduction to Russ Ball. I think I was in high school, just starting to understand how all this shit worked. And when I were like, oh, we signed Sam Shields, and it's like, oh, this contract is be like, we're not paying anything for Sam Shields. It's all backloaded. And that's kind of what the Packers have done really the whole tenure of our life. Uh, you know, we've always seen that from Green Bay. So how can they make this work? And that to me is the only solution. 
that's the only way I can see them going all in and paying Aaron Rodgers somewhat like somewhere in the range of $50 million. Now, could this be a story from the Packers that are that's hoping Rodgers will bring down his asking price? Maybe. I mean, I, he's not going to be pleased that this story came out. I don't think this came from Rodgers' camp. I think this definitely came from the Packers, and they were like, look, we this is a lot of money, and we just need to throw this trial balloon out there and let everybody talk about it. I don't think this was Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, I want $50 million. Unless they're basically like, we can only do 40 for two years. Let's say it's like a two-year, $80 million deal. And that's that's where we go. That's our peak. And Rodgers like, nah, fuck that. I want 50. And then they leak it to Rossini. Rossini is an interesting nugget in this whole thing. And I'm not, not saying Diana's a nugget. I should say that. But like, Diana has really not been involved in a lot of Green Bay stories. And that's where it kind of is tripping me up. Like, Rappaport, I feel like, is really close to the organization. I think Rappaport does a really good job. Adam Schefter is more probably tied in agents-wise. But I think Schefter also has sort of ran his course with both Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packer organization. I don't think anybody has time for him. Sometimes Glazer comes through with stories. But we haven't really seen Rossini be a focal point. Tom Pelissaro is another guy who pretty tied in with the organization as well. Pelissaro being from Minnesota, I think he has some of that Midwest ties. But we really haven't seen Rossini be a player in the sort of news-breaking world of the Green Bay Packers. Now, Rossini's not always been the most accurate. She had a Doug Marone story where they were going to fire Doug Marone, and she was completely wrong. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to discredit Diana's story, but I I just want to like lay it out there that like it's possible that you know, someone's, you know, flapping their gums and they're not, they're not actually being accurate. And that, that was taken out of context or whatever bullshit you could come up with. So I I do think that this is, I'm not saying, I'm not denying it, but I'm just laying it out there that could be a situation where Rogers comes back and he takes three years, 20 million a year, and then that's it. But I don't think that's going to happen with like a massive signing bonus attached to it where it's like, okay, right now he's the highest paid quarterback. I just, I don't know. It's a really interesting scenario because it's, I'm not saying it's unexpected, but it's just a tough look for Rodgers and it puts a ton of pressure on him. You would have to dig through the archives of Daily Tap or Tapping the Keg podcast. But I remember when Aaron Rodgers signed his big deal and I said like, this is, going to put a ton of pressure on him the fans are going to be up his ass all the time and they're going to expect him to perform and they're going to expect Super Bowls and if he doesn't happen it's going to be all hell that breaks loose and that exact same thing will happen to Aaron Rodgers this year and it'll be amplified it will be on steroids because it's like you held us over the roasting pan and you were like, I am not going to do this unless I get X amount of dollars. I get X amount of dollars, but I don't show up and, and win a Super Bowl. It's going to be, there's going to be hell to pay. And there's going to be a lot of I told you so's and everything like that. I think that Aaron Rodgers is, is really sort of painting himself in a corner. And if Rodgers took less money, I guarantee you the narrative about Aaron Rodgers, not only at the Green Bay level, but the national level, would change. There are people that are obsessed with him being Tom Brady, and he's just never going to be. And there's never going to be 
a Tom Brady, just like there's never going to be another LeBron James, just like there never was another Michael Jordan. They're just, there are not, they're one of one guys. Tom Brady is a fucking unicorn. And I saw Colin Cowherd today who had just a bizarre comparison of Aaron Rodgers is Kathy Griffin and the Packers are Mike Pence. That was his comparison, which was just, he's like, it's a relationship that doesn't work. I'm like, that is the most obscure thing you could come up with. Not only to mention that Kathy Griffin, who's like a famous anti-Trump person, like Rodgers was all about criticizing Biden as a libertarian. I don't know how that works together. Like if Colin Coward would get canceled for this, but what Colin Coward should have said is he's like, the Packers organization is like a Mormon and Aaron Rodgers is Abigail Radford. Like that's what they should have done. Like that to me is a way better comparison. Now, I don't know if Cowherd knows who Abigail Radford is, but um, you know, Ratchford, I guess would be the proper way to pronounce it. Sorry there. I'd get fact-checked real quick there if I didn't get didn't clean that up. But you know what I mean? Like if you want to make that comparison, yeah, make it to like an Instagram thought plus you know, some sort of religious, you know, that all uptight and shit. Like that to me is what you have to do for that comparison, Colin. So I didn't think that worked, but Colin then invokes the Brady thing and like Brady fall, fell along the Patriot way and Rodgers just doesn't do that. I, again, I push back on that because Rodgers did and then they drafted Jordan Love and he's like, fuck this. I'm not, I, I'm not your pawn. I don't want to be this guy for you. I am not going to go down the same path as Favre. And the Packers realized they fucked up. But did the Packers hit a breaking point? And this is, I guess, where we'll leave it. Did this story come out because the Packers suddenly said, holy shit, $50 million? $50 million? We're really going to do this? I thought that we were going to get him a little bit more, but he wants 50 fucking million. Are we sure? And remember, Brian Gunacus did not mention that he would didn't rule out trading Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they're clearing cap space to sign Devante. I had a friend uh, mention that and said, and they're loading it up and making sure they have all their pieces back for Jordan Love. It would be an amazing heel turn. It would be such an unexpected heel turn if the Packers did such a thing. I don't expect it to happen. But I do think, given the fact that Aaron Rodgers has crumbled under pressure in the last few years, there's a bit of a concern at Lambeau that Aaron Rodgers can't deliver with a $50 million contract. Let's move on to baseball. Baseball is not well. Uh, They are not doing great. Uh, We are four days away from the MLB saying that they're going to start canceling games. Uh, they are still far away from coming to a deal. Um, it, it is not good. I don't know what baseball, what will happen. Like, I don't know what the end game is here. They, they are basically talking all day and nothing is happening. So is it that they're just not letting anything out to the media and then they're going to announce that they have a deal middle of Saturday or something like that? Or is it that they really are fucked and that this is not this is not changing? Because once games start getting canceled, that's when shit gets real. And I worried about this last year, all year. If you remember when we did 
you know, podcast in the summer, I was like, let's enjoy this. Let's really relish this because I don't know what baseball is going to look like. And it's so, it's so fucking bizarre, right? That we're, that we're back to like feeling like 2020 again. Like, and you know, obviously with all that's going on in, in the world, it, it's just so strange that it's like, okay, here we go. Here we go again. Baseball is just going to shut down and not be a thing this summer. I don't think we're there yet. I think that's a little overdramatic by me. But I do think we are at an impasse and someone needs to put their balls on the table and say, let's let's at least compromise. What is it, What are absolute must-haves for the union? And what are absolute must-haves for the owners? And then that's it. Because I have... I don't know if I've said it on a podcast. I've said I was said it to my dad the other day. If baseball is out for April and May, let's just say that. Let's say baseball does not come back till June first. Right? They're going to lose an, a huge amount of their market share. People do not have time for this bullshit. All right, especially when it's been driven by the owners. The owners are choosing to lock out the players. That is what's happening right now. This is not a strike. This is a lockout. And that is what the owners are doing. And there are so many other live sports for people to care about that baseball could get tuned out. In no short order, you have the Masters and the PGA Championship in in April and May. Golf, to me, has more personality in its sport than baseball has, at the which is crazy to say. But you look, baseball doesn't have a Brooks Kapka. Baseball doesn't have a kind of a villain like Bryson DeChambeau. And some people like Bryson. Some people don't even consider Bryson to be a villain. They don't have a phenomenal, they have phenoms like John Rahm, but, you know, whether it be Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, I want to put Aaron Judge in that phenom category. Uh, who else could we put in there? Um, Bryce Harper, you know, it's, different guys right Fernando Tatis I think is like in that realm of could be you know making that case but the fact of the matter is is like golf golf is so good right now golf every week there is some fun storyline or someone breaking through like Joaquin Neiman has been like this talked about phenom for forever and he finally broke through, right? You'll have the F1 series starting up again. And F1's become very popular. I'm not going to give you any F1 takes because I don't have it. But what's to say that somebody who's my age or a little younger is not going to watch the Netflix show on F- F1 and then just start watching F1 races. And they don't really give a fuck about baseball because they don't have the capacity. During the months of April and May, there are hockey playoffs. There are, base- there are basketball playoffs. There is enough time to kill without baseball and maybe some owners will say well they'll come back in june when nothing else is on but i think there are going to be so many people that look at this as a giant fuck you people love baseball baseball is it's still america's pastime it still is it's not necessarily america's sport because that's football but baseball still means a lot to a lot of different cities and a lot of people are employed because of baseball. You know, concession workers, people who are doing the tickets, and some of them are retired, sure. But it it means so much to so many people. 
And these players, I just saw today that, you know, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole losing like hundreds of thousands a day if they don't play if they don't play a single game. Do we do they really want that? Are they that dug in? How long can that go? Maybe five games. Like, if you're losing a hundred thousand a day, let's just put it at a hundred thousand, all right? Let's do a little math here with the daily tap. You uh you get a hundred thousand a day a game. You get ten games canceled. You you just lost a million dollars. Twenty games, you just lost two million dollars. Like it, it's shit adds up really fucking quick. And I'm not really concerned about those the Garrett Coles and the Scherzers of the world. I'm concerned about the fucking guys who barely have a contract, right? The Tyrone Taylors. You know what about him? That guy's scrapping by. He not necessarily scrapping by. I shouldn't say it that way, but. You get my point. Like him losing all that money is a lot different than Max Scherzer losing all. Like Max Scherzer probably good. Garrett Cole probably good. So I do wonder: is there going to be an uprising from the players? Be like, hey, we we don't have unlimited funds here. We can't just immediately think of think of that. So I'm really concerned. I would say the panic button has fully been pushed on the baseball season. Um, I know that deadline spur action, shout out to Andrew Brandt, who I think that's all Andrew Brandt says. Like, I think he's just like a, he's like E-bombs world, you know, when you had the little buttons and things like that. Like you just say, Hey, Andrew, do the tweet deadline spur actions. Like, I mean, we get it guy. I, I realize we're well respected, whatever. Yes. It is possible that baseball at the deadline figures it out, gets it done, hammers it out. But there's a lot of evidence that says that says they will not, and I, I don't want to really live without baseball. Um, I don't know what I will tell my dad. Um, we might have to just have him on the podcast. Like we might just have to have him bitch about base, baseball not being around and see see what happens. Um, it, be a good show, I promise you. Um, maybe not at like Dan Levitard's poppy level, but I think it would be pretty good. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll try to work on that. All right, let's talk about the weekend preview. Uh, we have nothing on Friday night, uh, nothing for Wisconsin sports fans who have been thirsty for action. We have not had a single uh, game. Well, the Badgers played Minnesota on Wednesday, so you had that if you're a Badger fan, but I'm not. So because I'm not a Badger fan, I have not had my te- any of my teams play since Sunday uh, when Marquette played Creighton. And then you had Giannis in the All-Star game. But I don't really count that. Because that All-Star game for me is just, it's fun to watch. But I, I think you can get pretty the pretty much the gist of it when, when just watching Twitter highlights. Um, I did watch a good amount of it. But you get my point. So anyways, it's a full day on Saturday. And honestly, this is one of the best Saturdays for basketball in the city of Milwaukee. And there's a little dash of Badgers in there that for my Badger faithful friends. I will say the Badgers have a very nice time to play, but we'll talk about them uh, last in this group. First, we have National Marquette Day. For those who are unfamiliar, National Marquette Day is basically homecoming for Marquette. They don't have a football team, so this is homecoming. It is an absolute shit show. It is a party. I'm going myself. I've I've gone to a few. It's a ton of fun. It is the loudest that the Fiserv is for a Marquette game. It is a sellout. They're playing Butler. I expect Marquette to roll in that game. Um, it's It'll be an awesome environment. Shaka's first one, and it's a complete party after the fact. 
Uh, everybody is just off the wall, getting drunk, and it's a really good fucking time. So I'm excited for that. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And definitely, if you're out and about in that, please, please shout. Please give me a shout. I will. Uh, we'll try to put it up on the Instagram and everything like that if I can. And there's no line out in this game, but I do expect Marquette to roll. I would feel pretty good about laying whatever the number is. Like even if they're like a ten point favorite, I realize Marquette's been struggling, but I see them absolutely wiping the floor with Butler. A day I know Butler got them the first time, but I mean Butler has not really played too well. Marquette and DePaul are their only two wins in the last let's see here in the last eight games that they've played or last yeah last eight they played they've lost six of their last eight um yeah some of them have been close they took providence to overtime in a game they blew like a 19 point lead but yeah and they've not been a good away team either they've gotten absolutely smoked on the road two a couple times so i expect marquette to come out with a fury and light it up because they could have easily won that game in the against against Butler the first time if they didn't have just a bad Q1 like if you go to Ken Palm and break it out by quarters they were 29 and 11 after the first quarter but then it was 16 13 18 14 34 29 Marquette really fought back in that game and I think they're ready to uh, give a little payback to the Butler Bulldogs then later in the day, hopefully you can sleep off uh, if you're out there drinking and then you get Bucks next at night on ABC, uh, kicking off ABC's second half of their schedule. I think the Bucks should roll in this game uh, if the Nets are still going to be sort of the mash unit they've, they've been. Now, Sean Marks did say there's a potential that KD and Ben Simmons could come back. They will have Kyrie Irving in that game, obviously, because the max mandates don't matter uh away in away games but um Kyrie you know I don't know how much that adds with the other guys that are missing um I don't know if you you probably want to Ben Simmons uh, you have a lot of guards who can't guard anybody so it could be a really good opportunity for a big Drew Holiday game a big Chris Middleton start I think they have absolutely no one to guard Giannis so I really do like the Bucks in that game I don't think the Bucks have any excuses to lose that one if you're not dealing with Durant or Simmons. Uh, obviously, Kyrie is a problem, but I think you can shut down Kyrie or let Kyrie go off and then shut down everybody else. Patty Mills will have his four or five threes like he usually does, but the Bucks should get off on a right foot, and hopefully they will. I mean, it was nice to see Cleveland lose today. Um, that helps the Bucks. You had Chicago, unfortunately, win and a few other teams playing on Friday. So we'll see where the Bucks stand on Saturday as they kick off the last part of their season. I can't believe they only have 22 games off. When Mitch was like, it'd be kind of hard to get to 50. Uh, the Bucks would have to win 14. I was like, oh, really? And then the Eric Names thing today was like, oh, yeah, they only have 22 ga games left, which Names thing was awesome, by the way. I recommend another thing I recommend to read. Um, did you know the Bucks have played 708 lineups all year? That's the most in the NBA. And then I think the next closest is Indiana at like 574. I, TJ, T.I., I think his name, Winch, whatever, had a thing today where the Bucks have played one game with their starting five. And I think they've only played like 17 with their starting four. And then you work down the list and it's like, it's crazy on how many guys have missed games for Milwaukee this season. 
and they just need some consistency. I think that's really where it boils down to. If the Bucks get some consistency, I think they can get hot, and I think they can roll and find themselves into a one or a two seed when it's all said and done because I just don't believe in Chicago or Miami. I realize what DeRozan's doing. It's crazy late game, but I do think that Chicago's lack of big man will hurt them in situations down the stretch, but maybe it won't. Maybe it won't, and the Bulls will skate through, and then we'll see come playoff time because I, I think they're going to have some real problems with my friend Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as Joel Embiid and maybe even a Ben Simmons or Kevin Durant. I think that can give them some issues inside because I don't think they have really any answer. Not like saying they're going to pound them in the post, but just like this, the, there's no – like who guards Durant on that team? I, Vucevic? You're going to put Vuce on Durant? I mean, Jesus Christ. That's going to end poorly. Um, that You won't do that. So DeRozan's too short. I mean, what what guy is guard, guarding Durant? So maybe they get Patrick Williams. If they get Patrick Williams back, yeah, that helps. I know they added Tristan Thompson, which is another tampering move by the Dirty Bulls. But that's here and are there. Um, I just think the Bucks can get on a run, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I like their chances against the Nets on Saturday, and we'll certainly talk about that as well as the Marquette game on Monday's show. Also be remiss if I didn't mention the Badgers. They have a very tough one in Rutgers. Also looking for some revenge from a couple weeks ago. Uh, The now Jersey Mike's Center. It used to be the Rack. It's now the Jersey Mike's Center. Uh, Tough place to play. Rutgers has beat a ton of teams there. I would imagine the Badgers are are going to be favorites. And I will probably be taking Rutgers on the money line. But still, I I think that you're going to uh, see what Rutgers is made of. Uh, Rutgers is right on that bubble. I think they could really use a sweep against Wisconsin. That would look great on their resume. Wisconsin's been a little iffy on the road. It took them a little bit to close out Minnesota. Um, It it will be an interesting mashup to see if they can compete with the the Rutgers crowd. And Rutgers sort of has built that energy and environment. I think exactly what the Big Ten wanted when they brought Rutgers and Maryland in, but they thought Maryland was going to be the basketball component. They thought Rutgers would be the football component. Neither of them have lived up to the bill in football wise, but basketball Rutgers is like a competent big 10 program. Like they are not any, anything of a slouch. Steve Peichel has done a great job there. Steve Peichel will be a guy. I realize that Louisville and who else needs, who else might need a coach. There might be, there was someone else that's, big that needs a coach and it's slipping me but like i would look at steve peichel like steve peichel has built a fucking winner at Rutgers. like why couldn't he do that at a bigger school i, I like a bigger no name school i think he could um but that's just that's just me sort of pontificating about the the coach's carousel i've talked for a long time already but we got to do a chuck's corner i've been telling you guys that i've been you know trying to bring you more into my life and everything that's going on um and just you know hanging out and having a beer at this point of the podcast i was gonna do buzzer beaters because i had a tweet today where arsenal had hit a game-winning goal against uh wolverhampton i believe is how he pronounced it the wolves i uh, hit had game winning winning goal crowd went nuts 96 minute uh they call it at the death uh for those footy fans out there and I said, I have a hot take. I think soccer buzzer beaters are better than basketball buzzer beaters. And a lot of people engaged with it, liked it. 
And I was like, maybe this isn't a hot take. You know, sometimes you think you have this unique take and everyone's like, yeah, I agree with you. And you think about it and it's like soccer game-winning goals are fucking awesome. Like if you really, really think about it, the A to degree of difficulty, just given how hard it is to make a goal, like it's right up there. I think it's more electric than a hockey game-winning goal. It's a similar, right? It's in that, it's a cousin of it. But I, if you, the hockey one, my like it's you, the, there's still the glass. I think with the cool thing about when a game-winning goal happens, especially at home, like the crowd, you just see a fucking erupt, like go absolutely ape shit for it. You don't necessarily have that with hockey because well, you have fans going crazy, but it, I don't know. Hockey crowds are good and they're they're loud, and I probably get killed for this for, from hockey fans. But I just don't feel like they bring the same noise as some of the other ones. We can talk about crowds another day. But yeah, game winning, game winning goal is incredible in, in soccer. It's a, it's cool in hockey. Um, I, the hail mary in football is so rarely seen. I think it's more the game winning field goal. But even that to me is not that exciting. I don't know. It doesn't have the same sort of energy as like the game winning goal because there's usually timeouts. There's usually, you know, it's all a setup. It's not necessarily a rush out and kick the field goal. A game winning touchdown, whether it be Hail Mary or just like a goal line thing, that's pretty cool. But again, that rarely happens. It's so fucking rare that it's almost too rare to like put it in that category. I think field goal would be the one. And I think that's way down the list. I think that might be last. And then you talk about buzzer beaters, awesome, really cool. But there are very few that are like legitimate buzzer beaters. Like Monte Morris had one uh, right before the All-Star break against Golden State. And that one was great. Like that was an amazing Jokic pass. Monte hits it and it's right at the buzzer. Um, Those are always going to be cool. They're always going to be fun. Um, especially as it gets closer and closer. But a lot of the times, like the one that happened in Providence where Andrew Catalan, who had the great call of from Pawtucket. And by the way, Andrew Catalan, can we bump Andrew Catalan to the second weekend? I don't know who always, I think Nestler gets the second. Like, can we say fuck Nestler and go go with Catalan? I realize Nestler, SEC, CBS, whatever. But like Andrew Catalan, the from Pawtucket was out of the Gus Johnson playbook, but I, I loved it. And he did called such a good game that Providence Xavier game, and he's he's a really good, really good broadcaster, and I think he deserves some shine. Like if I was the if I was Fox, I'd be like, we should hire this guy to run like to lead our Big East programming. Like he should be the guy. I think they've they're kind of phasing Gus out of that role. I don't think Gus necessarily wants to do it. I think the chemistry with him, Bill Raftery, hasn't really been there. Um, I noticed they don't do games anymore. Um, it's usually Raftery and Kevin Kugler. That seems to be the combination. And then Gus does it with Jim Jackson. Uh, so that, I don't know what dynamics go on there, but that's here and or there. Um, and I realize I just went on a complete tangent about that before we're talking buzzer readers. All of a sudden, I just started talking. But my point was, is that that... That shot was at like 0.4. So it wasn't really a buzzer beater. And it wasn't even, it, it was, oh no, it wasn't even 0.4. It was to seal the game. So you see that a lot and fans go nuts. But the pure buzzer beater doesn't happen that often. But it, it's, it takes a lot for it to be exciting. Like the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater, that's an all-timer. That's like one of the best buzzer beaters of all time. And that 
that will be forever remembered. The uh, the one Gonzaga one, Jalen Suggs, like that's again another one where it's like all timer. But if it's a rant, like I think there was a South Carolina guy that hit like a mid half court shot at the buzzer to beat Mississippi. Cool trends on Twitter, Sports Center number one play, but we kind of all forget about it. And it's not really that much of a memory, especially, you know, with the teams at stake. So I will go, I will still say, put the goal ahead of it. Baseball walk-off, it has to be a certain scenario, right? Same sort of concept. I think if it's like first batter up and it's a home run or it's two outs and nobody's on and it's a walk-off, I think that makes it a little bit special. I, I don't know, though. I, I think back to the Vogelbach Grand Slam walk-off where the Brewers were coming back. That was incredible to watch live, and it's like, holy shit. And that, it'll always be a rush when you get a walk-off. I think walk-offs are right there with like goal, like game-winning goals for hockey or for, for soccer because, again, it's like you always want it. You're like, hey, maybe he'll walk it off. And then when he does, you're like, holy shit, he walked it off. That's incredible. So I think if I were to do my power rankings of most exciting, I would say game-winning goal in soccer. I would say I I don't I really don't want to say game-winning goal in hockey because I don't know. I just I I think it just doesn't happen as often as like what you see in soccer, baseball. So I'm gonna take walk off baseball and then I'm gonna go hockey. No. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, I'll go buzzer beater and then hockey. Probably the hockey people are going to fucking hate me. Just going to be like, what are you talking about? But And I and they can defend it. And I, I just, I don't see it. And maybe I have never witnessed it live. And I think it's partly because I'm apathetic to teams. Like, I don't have that one team. But, like, I don't cheer for Arsenal. Like, I'm not an Arsenal fan at all. And I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. And I don't know. So I'll put, all right, we'll reset, official list, game-winning goal in soccer. Walk-off homer, game-winning goal in hockey, buzzer beater, game-winning field goal. That's it. That's the list. And, yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it for today's show. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, hope you uh, had fun. Uh, we'll be, we made it through a week without sports. We'll have sports to talk about on Monday. We'll hand out some golden kegs for the Marquette and Butler game. We'll also talk about Bucks Nets. I am sure I will have stories from National Marquette Day. And if I go back out again with Mitch uh, later in the evening on Saturday. So we'll have all of that and much more. Uh, so hope to see you guys around this weekend. Um, I always say it. If you're, if you're out, you can. I, so I, I've always said if you're out. And you know where I am, buy me a beer. How about we flip this a little bit? If I'm out, I'm gonna be out Saturday. Shoot me a DM on Twitter or Instagram, tabbing the keg on Twitter, tabbing the keg sports on Instagram. Shoot me a DM. Say say, hey, where are you? I'll let you know my location and yeah, let's have a beer. Let's talk. We can talk about bucks, we can talk about just bullshit, whatever. Whatever you want to talk about. Rogers, I don't care. Talk about Ukraine, we can do Ukraine. I'll, I'll I am a multifaceted motherfucker. All right. Take care. I got to go. All right. See you guys. Have a good one. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend. Stay safe if you're going National Marquette Day and uh, anything else. All right. Take care. Bye.